you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. I speak. It's Friday, November 12, 2021. The headline in the Chicago Sun-Times reads, Go Bulls, go! Okay, that's not really what it reads. It's more, if I were writing the headlines, you know, Sun-Times got to be objective and, and everything. Not like me. I'm out now, Bulls fan, have been since 19, since before my guest, my distinguished guest was born. Actually, that's not true. He's a little older than that. But I've been a Bulls fan since 1966. And I look for any, I know it's a political podcast, but I look for any excuse I can to talk bulls, talk basketball. And a, a big excuse came uh, waddling down out of nowhere uh, last week. And I immediately reached out to this distinguished guest because there's nobody I think would be uh, more fun to talk about this topic with. And my distinguished guests, as I always do with, with distinguished guests, I ask them to introduce themselves. So take it away. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. That's six times you've called me distinguished. I I'm, I'm, I'm feel very distinguished. Hi, everybody. My name is Tom Scher. I'm a friend of Ben Jarofsky. I am a longtime media person, which included 28 years as a sportscaster. And let's see, been in Chicago for 38 years, and I've been a friend of Ben's for 37 and a half. How's that? <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Uh, Tom Scher, all you um, sports uh Geeks know, uh, was in the business for a long time, had his own uh, call-in talk show, and was on Channel 5, et cetera, and so forth. What you may not know uh, is that I don't think he's really a Bulls fan. I think there's a secret that he hides and he won't reveal to anyone. I think Tom Scher is a Boston Celtics fan, if I'm or, no. calling. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I am. Wait, I'm a. I am a pre-1984 Boston Celtics fan. Oh, okay. Right? <laughs> what yeah, when happened? The world team, well, what happened is I moved here in 1983, and I was a Bulls fan to the extent that I wanted them to win because I was covering sports. But my heart was still with the Celtics, I admit that. They didn't play the Bulls in the playoffs in 84, but they won the world championship in 84. One of a pair of world titles that Casey Jones won as head coach. 
Those were two of the three Larry Bird titles. And um, after that, I was, you may recall a guy by the name of Jordan got uh, drafted that year. And then the following spring, Jerry Reinsdorf bought controlling interest in the team. And I was lock, stock, and barrel bulls, baby. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Bulls All right. Jeez. Well, uh, by the way, uh, those Boston Celtics uh, defeated my beloved Chicago Bulls in 1981 in the playoffs. You can look it up. Broke my heart. I knew the Bulls didn't have a chance in 1981. Uh, that was pre-Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Uh, but anyway, I'm not going to discuss the 1981 Chicago Bulls-Boston Celtics playoff series. Uh, instead, I'm going to discuss uh, Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan. And this is the story that came out of nowhere uh, a couple last couple of weeks. Scotty Pippen uh, wrote a book, or somebody wrote a book. Scotty Pippen's name is on it. Uh, as an old uh, writer who's been in this business a long time, my guess is that there was some guy like me in the back room writing that book. Anyway, it's called Unguarded. And Scotty Pippen t- tells his story. I've not read the book. I've just read excerpts. Uh, the part I've read is the part that's gotten the most attention where Scotty Pippen just rips Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Uh, and they were teammates f- from 1987 to 1998. They were perhaps the greatest one-two combo. You could argue, I'm going to get Tom's thoughts on this, uh, in the history of the NBA. Like, oh, just Two guys who kind of complement each other. Uh, and there's a lot of bad blood, at least on Scottie Pippen's part. He just think Michael thinks Michael Jordan has no respect for him and no respect for the other Bulls. Uh, my guess is that Scottie Pippen's more concerned with the lack of respect he thinks Jordan has for him as opposed to, like, Ron Harper or something. Uh, and so, uh, so Tom, I just had to reach out to you, get your thoughts on this. You covered the Bulls back in the 80s. You're, you uh, obsessively followed them as much as I did. And um, perhaps more. Uh, doubt, doubt anybody could do it more. So let's get to it. Um, Scotty Pippen, what's going on here? Why uh, out of nowhere did Scotty Pippen just suddenly uh, speak out uh, denouncing Michael Jordan? Go ahead. Well, it didn't come out of nowhere from my perspective. You know, I covered them in the 80s, uh, 90s, well into the 2000s. I covered uh, just about every home game Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen ever played. I covered many road games. I covered all the playoff games, uh, except for the finals. Uh, Mark Greco would take over for the finals on the road, but I covered the uh, the home games. I covered the airport arrivals. I mean, I was around these guys a lot. In fact, I once estimated that I was around Michael Jordan 800 times. And when I say around, I mean had a conversation with him. Could be a minute or it could be 20 minutes. So to me, none of this is that surprising. The depth of it is very surprising. Um, Pippen has always felt unappreciated, but he has never had any reality to base it on. Scottie Pippen is, I want to make sure I choose my words carefully here. You know, and, and I, w- I would say the same thing about, you know, uh, trying to think of the last guy to complain who I might compare Scottie to. Um, I would say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers right now. You know, Aaron Rodgers is not a bright guy. He says and does a lot of stupid things. Scottie Pippen has historically said and done a lot of stupid things and things that are not based in reality. Uh, sports is a f- odd combination of ego and talent. doesn't matter how talented you are. If you don't have a big ego, you're not going to succeed. Because ego helps you overcome fear. 
what the fear of failure. Ego is just confidence multiplied times 10. That's what ego is. And if you don't have that huge confidence, you're going to be afraid to take the game-winning shot because you missed the last one. You can't miss make them all. So when guys don't control their ego, when they let their ego consume them, then they're in trouble. And that's where Scottie Pippen is right now. Uh, he's, he's never based this alleged lack of appreciation in reality. When he, he signed a long-term contract because he was afraid of future back injuries, and then he complained about his salary and that they were saving money for Tony Kukoc. He complained about not getting the last shot with the 1.8 seconds when, in fact, it was a brilliantly called play, and it worked. Scotty, I don't know if you noticed that, you knucklehead. It worked. Kukoc hit the shot. Um, he complained. He made false charges of racism against a woman in the north suburbs, uh, claimed she did something racist while she was driving a car. He did that after she went to police because he brandished a gun at her on the highway. So he's, he's done a lot of stupid things. He worked the Bulls. Reinsdorf, God bless him. Jerry Reinsdorf gave him a job, full benefits, ambassador, or a special assistant to the president, some beautiful title where you don't have to do much. And he managed to goof that up too. So are the Bulls bad people for firing him? He hasn't said that. He hasn't made that allegation. But Scotty's a guy who's made a lot of mistakes in his life. He lost millions. He got taken for millions even though he had a million advisors who could have told him what to do and what not to do with his money. He lost a lot of bread. Uh, you know, I don't think his head's in a good place right now. Uh, I will say he had some personal tragedies with the death of his son. They had a divorce in there somewhere. We've all been through tragedies or divorce. I'm not going to judge him on that. If he's gone off the deep end a little because of his personal life, okay. But this has been going on for a long time. So that's, that's the long answer, Ben. I mean, this this is just not a very bright guy when it comes to stuff like this. A brilliantly smart on the court, great instincts, um, knew how to follow certain plans. You, you can't be a dumb guy and succeed to the level that Scottie Pippen succeeded at. But he's very dumb in these areas, and it's a real, it's a real mistake. And the, the, the fuse that lit the whole thing was the uh, Michael Jordan in-house production of The Last Dance. It was basically Michael's... Uh, House organ right there, you know. All right, let's <clears throat> let's talk about uh, whether or not there is any um, cr uh, justification whatsoever for Scotty's remarks. Uh, and you know, he, you're right. What triggered him was the last dance, which was well, you, actually you were on the show with me talking about the last dance. Yeah, I urge everybody to check that out. It was a, a fun interview, a fun conversation. Uh, and he thought the last dance was disrespectful. Uh, to him that Michael Jordan, you're right, uh, it was a Michael Jordan production and it was all about Michael Jordan and he didn't give enough uh, credit to him, Scottie Pippen. Uh, how valid, in your humble opinion, uh, is that complaint? Putting aside from whether how he stated it, putting aside how it uh, fits in with other comments that he's made, just looking at his complaint that Michael Jordan has never adequately uh, appreciated him, uh, nor did he adequately appreciate him in that documentary. How justified do you think, how valid is that as a complaint? Well, I think on the first part, whether Jordan has never adequately appreciated him, uh, I think that's true, but I don't think Jordan has ever adequately appreciated anybody, uh, at least publicly. You know, deep in his belly, I think Michael does. But publicly, you know, it's basically the The only guy he's ever said anything good about is Phil Jackson, okay? Um, you know, consistently good. So I think Scotty's got a point there. I really do. Don't forget, Michael used to call these guys my supporting cast. 
I used to have out of town sports writers come in here and say, who is this guy? This is before they won all the titles. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I said, you have to understand, Michael, that's just kind of the way he is, you know. But so I, I get where Sky's coming from there. It's always been the Michael show. But, you know, they also won six titles and Scotty made a lot of money. The other thing is on the uh, lack of appreciation in the last dance, I think he has a great point because this was basically the world according to Michael Jordan. And I read this wonderful story in the Tribune about how hard it was to get, you know, get the idea and, you know, the NBA to agree to the footage and you had to go see Michael and get him to agree to do it. And they worked so hard to produce it. I mean, it's a brilliantly produced documentary. But so was the stuff that Joe Goebbels put out. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 I'm, not, I'm not comparing Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen or these documentaries. I'm not calling them Nazis. What I'm saying is this is a propaganda piece. You have to look at it that way. You have to look at it with just a little bit of a jaundiced eye and realize, well, of course it's going to be all about Michael and less about Scottie because Michael's company co-owns it. They co-produced it or co-owned it, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, that's propaganda to that extent. Is is the footage untrue? Are many of the words spoken, are the words spoken by most of the interviews, interviewees untrue? No, but come on. We all know media. There's a way to package things. This is packaged to make everybody look pretty good and make Michael, make Michael Jordan look very, 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 very good. Scotty, <laughs> does, Scotty doesn't like it. Go make your own documentary. Yeah. I mean, or write your own book. Yeah. Exactly, which he did. <laughs> uh, but all right, you said something. I wrote it down, and I'd like you to uh, uh, go into it a little more. You were saying uh, back in the day, uh, visiting sports writers who were coming to Chicago to cover the Bulls uh, would hear Michael Jordan talk about his uh, supporting cast, and and uh, and they'd say to you, like, "Who is this guy?" And you go, "You have to understand, Michael. That's just the way he is." What is it about Michael? that you were getting alluding to when you said that's the way he is biggest, hugest ego of anybody I've ever seen in sports. And I've seen some big ego guys. The difference is he backed it up. He backed it up. And I think in his heart, Michael Jordan is a very good person. Not perfect. He's made his mistakes. So have we, so have I, so have all of us, but I think, you know, he's got a colossal ego and that's just the way you know, Mike Schmidt, when he played for the Phillies, I just, just popped into my mind. There was a sports writer out there named Peter Pascarelli, still working, I think, for ESPN. And he hated the fact that Mike Schmidt once said to him, Peter, you got to admit it. When I hit home runs, nobody hits them like I do. <laughs> okay, that's the most egotistical statement I've ever heard. Maybe not the most accurate. There were some pretty good home run hitters at the time. But the point is, the guy had a big ego. Okay, he also hit 544 lifetime homers in the Hall of Fame and led them to their first world championship uh, since the early 1900s in Philadelphia. So you got to understand the way Schmidt is. You got to understand the way Michael Jordan is. And I think a lot for Scottie Pippen to not understand that is mind-boggling. But I realize he's just not that bright a guy in these areas. Will Purdue's pretty smart. And Michael Jordan gave him a hard time. I think, didn't he slug Purdue in practice once the same way he hit John Paxson? And Steve uh, Kerr? No, it wasn't Paxson. It was Kerr. It was uh, Kerr. Okay. Yeah. And he used to make funny. It's funny you should mention Will Purdue. I remember the joke uh, Jordan uh, made about Purdue 
the the name is spelled P-E-R-D-U-E, but he was doing a play on words, and he said, uh, you must have gone to Vanderbilt because uh, Purdue, you don't play up to like Big Ten standards. I don't know. I just totally destroyed Michael's great line. But it was making fun of Will Purdue. Uh, it was just a way of making fun of him. Uh, but uh, I don't think he ever punched him. I actually just can't remember, Tom, but he made fun yeah. of him all the time. Okay, the point is, what does Will Purdue say about Michael Jordan? He said, he made us all better. He pushed us, pushed us, pushed us to win, and we won three titles. He was a great teammate. That's what Will Purdue says. So he takes the good with the bad, he mixes it all up, and he comes out with a positive feeling. I think anybody who's ever dealt with Michael uh, would say that. Yet Scotty somehow can't bring himself to say it. I think it's very sad. I think he's he's sullying himself. He's hurting his hurting his image. I think it's really just why can't look? You guys are a hundred years old now in sports terms. Why can't you just sit back and talk about all that you accomplished together? You know, I mean, uh, I I don't get it. I really don't. I, I was on the Score Sports Radio. I was the first host ever heard there, and I was on there for a good number of years and had a great run. Eventually, new people bought the station and they put the screws to me on a contract. And I pretty much had to quit and go back full time to Channel 5. It broke my heart. I love the score. Okay, it happens. All right, it happens. I'm not going to whine and say it was because I was a certain age or I was a man or a woman or all this. Radio people make, executives make subjective decisions. I didn't like those decisions. They didn't want to give me the money I wanted, and it wasn't much more than I was already getting. I didn't want a big raise. Okay, fine. But I look back on that with fond memories, and we all get together, and we talk about all the great things we accomplished, and isn't isn't it wonderful? And I just don't understand why Scotty can't do that. You know, why is he still fighting the war? I think it's ridiculous. He's got one good beef, though. Apparently, Michael made about $10 million off the documentary, and he didn't make anything, but most documentaries I've, don't pay for interviews. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I was going to say I've heard two. Uh, I've seen two numbers bandied about. One, Scotty was the one to put the 10 million out. I have no idea where he got it, or how accurate it is. And I saw somewhere else somebody wrote three million. Uh, and this is how clueless I am, Tom. When that documentary came out, which I ate like it was M and M's. I won't. I won't. I, we did six part series on it. We had a blast. Yeah. I interview you and uh, uh, yeah. Steve James and Craig Hodges. We had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, so I gobbled it up, but I didn't realize I probably just didn't even think about it, that Michael Jordan was making money off of this thing. And then when I read that, I go, well, of course, Michael Jordan makes money off of everything. Exactly uh, right. That's exactly right. And by the way, in the interest of accuracy, you are a much better journalist than I am at this moment because I got the 10 million from Scotty and I don't know where he got it from. So pardon me. Yeah. Michael did make money. He did have an ownership stake in it. Scotty made nothing and nothing. So I just yeah. should clarify yeah. Yeah. It's dangerous uh, when you throw figures out like I did and you can't back them up. Yeah. So no, that's, yeah, you're right. Uh, though. He makes money for it. He said it. It, might, it was a, there's a New York times piece where they interviewed Pippen and uh, it links to another piece in which they interviewed Sam Smith. Uh, and it, the times confirmed that uh, the producers before they interviewed Sam Smith, who wrote a book that was very critical of Jordan, they went to Jordan and said, what do you think of us interviewing Sam Smith? Now, ESPN and Jordan claim that they didn't approve or disapprove any interviews. Okay, what if you go to somebody and say, what do you think of Sam Smith? And he goes, Whew, Sam Smith, huh? Hey, interview whoever you want. Right there, you know, they, they don't want Sam Smith. So I don't know what the, what the semantics were, but I think it's clearly a Jordan production is what I'm just trying yeah. to get. 
By the way, uh, Sam Smith, longtime uh, basketball writer here. Uh, he now works for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, he does their blog. And he worked for the Tribune, and he wrote a best-selling book called The Jordan Rules. And as Tom was uh, saying, Jordan did not appreciate the Jordan Rules. It came out right after they won the championship in 1991, and he let the whole world know, uh, one way or another, that he didn't appreciate Sam Smith. But he must have just, uh, Tom, when it came to the documentary, had let let bygones be bygones, because Sam Smith was in the documentary uh, several times. Right. Uh, and uh, But Jordan, he's another one. He carries a grudge. He would fit in well with my family. I come from a family of grudge carriers, Tom. Oh, my God. My mother, may she rest in peace, wouldn't talk to the neighbor for 30 years because <laughs> of something that neighbor did to me when I was a kid. And uh, so she and Michael Jordan would have really seen eye to eye. Jordan's still mad, I think, at Charles Barkley. And my guess is now he's probably steaming at St- Scotty Pippen. Uh, right. And it is sad. And I got to tell you this, uh, Tom, because I have a couple things I want to go into. But I was thinking about when you were on that riff. You know, I don't know how the Bulls – I have i don't know if I've seen a championship uh, team as prominent, as, as good as the Chicago Bulls have such, like, toxicity with the breakup. And I think of now uh, – I'm thinking of Magic uh, Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the great Lakers teams of the 80s. I don't sense a lot of toxicity there. Uh, Larry Joe Bird and the Boston Celtics, they had that great run in the 80s. Kevin McHale, Robert Perry. I don't see toxicity there. I, I can't think of another team that – there are so few teams that went on runs like this, but this is unique. Uh, I, I'm, I'm saying off the top of my head, Tom, just the, the amount of poison. You know, the, this one's mad at that one. The other one's mad at this one. They won't talk to – Am, am I uh, am I correct? Is is this unusual for championship teams? It's highly unusual. You're absolutely correct. They say the Oakland A's teams of the '70s used to fight a lot. You know, Billy North and Reggie Jackson had fist fights, and this guy was mad at that guy. They all hated the owner, Charlie Finley, who wouldn't pay him anything. They also won three world championships, so there was toxicity there. But it was pretty much all, very rarely player to player. It was mostly div- pointed toward the owner. Uh, you're absolutely right. And it's it's really sad. Um, but, you know, it's really not that much. Now, you know, Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen were pretty good friends back in the day. And Horace flat out told me as the 1990s progressed that Scottie had changed a lot, that he'd gotten a little too big for his britches. Um, Jordan could do things to grate on people. You know, sometimes Walter Payton ticked off his teammates. But for the most part, they all love the guy. So you're going to have some of it. But the worst thing is, as you pinpointed here, is the breakup being toxic. I mean, at some point, look, things happen, shit happens, teams get broken up, or they, the Bulls were not broken up, by the way. That's another myth. Teams cannot stay together, don't stay together. Um, it doesn't have to be this way, especially, especially 23 years later. It doesn't have to be this way. And it, it's, it's very sad. And, you know, I'll tell you who's responsible for a lot of it. A lot of it is Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson could have been a peacemaker. He could have he could have really reminded these guys that life's too short. But he was one of the big grudge holders himself. Phil Jackson got pulled off the scrap heap by Jerry Krause. Nobody in the NBA would hire Phil, Phil Jackson. Nobody. And Jerry Krause gave him a job. Phil Jackson was going to file for unemployment and go to law school. It's in his book. He said that. Krause pulls him off the scrap heap, gives him a nice, a important assistant coach's job. 
And then uh, see if I can get my facts straight here. Um, oh, whatever. Two. Yeah, I was going to say two years either. Two or three years later, makes him the head coach. I think it was three years. That's incredible. Um, yet he all he did was carpet Kraus. He never carped at Reinsdorf. He was too smart for that. <laughs> but carpet everybody. Let Michael Jordan carpet everybody. It's terrible. Phil right, Jackson uh, really could have fixed a lot of this. Uh, let's. You mentioned Jerry Krause, uh, and let me uh, get into that. Before, can we do one thing before we do? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I want to give Phil Jackson his props on something where he's getting unfairly ripped. Pippen said that Jackson's decision to give Tony Kukoc that final shot in the 1.8 seconds game was a racist move, and that Phil was racist in that decision. Scotty, which is ludicrous. It was the most insane thing. It was the stupidest thing ever. All right. Scotty now says that he takes it back. He said, when I said it, I saw it in various newspaper articles. He said, I saw it in print. I'm assuming he means newspaper and, and websites. And he he does not say that now. So I just right. he said well, it well, and then he took it back. Well, I'll hopscotch and I'll do to that and then I'll come back. But you're to back to Kraus. I'm sorry. No, Thank no, you. we'll go. I, I wanted to ask you about this. And this is this is one of my favorite topics. I love this topic. Okay, so we'll, we'll get to Kraus in a bit. Let's talk about this. Let's set the stage for, I know everybody listening to this doesn't need the stage set, but just in case someone does. The year was 1994. It was the year that the Michael Jeffrey Jordan had stepped away from basketball. He was playing baseball in the minor leagues for the Chicago White Sox. The Bulls were engaged in a heated, and when I say heated, I mean heated, second round playoff uh, series against the dreaded, hated, oh, I can't stand them to this day, New York Knicks, coached by Pat Riley. I could do you the starting lineup for that Nick team, but I won't waste your time with that. And so it was game four to, uh, in the Chicago stadium, a place, the, uh, the old stadium, and uh, the Bulls had to win this game because if they didn't win this game, they would fall behind uh, three to one, and they're just not coming back. Uh, and it was back and forth, and the Bulls had the lead, and the Knicks took the lead, and now there's 1.3 seconds left. The Bulls ball down by one. Timeout call. Phil Jackson calls the team together on the bench, designs a play where Scottie Pippen's inbounding the ball to Tony Kukoc, then a rookie. Scotty said, I'm not going in because you've disrespected me by not giving me the final shot. And so one of the greatest moves in the history of Chicago Bulls, Phil Jackson uh, says, okay, sit down, and he brings in Pete Myers. God bless Pete Myers, Tom Share. You talk about guys, you talk about a presser situation coming off the bench at this moment with this lunatic on the, you know, perfect inbound pass. One of, I would argue it's the second greatest inbound pass in the history of the Chicago Bulls. I think you'll agree with me. Brad Sellers to Michael Jeffrey Jordan in 1989 against the Cleveland Cavaliers was the greatest inbound pass in the history of the Chicago Bulls. But under this, the pressure, Pete Myers and Tony Kukoc hits a shot. Your coach, Tom Share, do you design the play the way Phil Jackson did going to Tony Kukoc, or do you design the play the way Scotty wanted it, shot going to Scotty Pippen? Don't duck and dodge. Go. I'll do exactly what Phil Jackson did because Kukoc had been shooting well. Pippen was not. They're expecting Pippen to get the ball. It's a smart move. It's a smart move, and I absolutely – now, would I have thought of it? I don't know. I might have gone with the obvious guy, but – Jackson was really good at coaching those teams. He had a lot of help. Michael Jordan was a quasi-coach. Phil's job was much easier in that regard. He didn't have to motivate guys, but he had to keep the peace. 
But Michael wasn't there. Phil Jackson was a brilliant move. I'm not sure I would have been smart enough to think about it. I don't think I would have. But I, but if, if I had Phil's intellect and his experience and I sensed what he was sensing about my team at that moment, particularly Kukoc and Pippen, I absolutely designed that play for Kukoc. Don't forget, in game five at Los Angeles in 1991, Phil told Michael to keep giving the ball to John Paxson. Yes. And he did. And it worked. And let's not forget who took the winning shot in Phoenix in 1993. John Paxson took that shot. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's a smart move that doesn't include your best player. And at back then, MJ was the best player. In 1994, when Michael was out for a while, off doing baseball, Scottie Pippen was the best player. But that doesn't always mean that the best player should have the, the shot. Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. And uh, particularly, I followed that 93-94 Bulls team very closely. It was a great, that was a lot of fun watching that team. It was and a wonderful, wonderful. Tony, if Tony it, if not for Hugh Holland. Yes. <laughs> you had to remind me of that. Hugh Hollins, referee Hugh Holland. Oh, my God. What a call, ladies and gentlemen. The worst call ever. All right, let's not discuss Hugh Holland's call in game five. Uh, let's go back to Jerry Krause. Scotty Pippen wrote something in the book, or whoever dictated whoever wrote it, uh, which I uh, <laughs> I thought was a, a good point. And he wrote, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, he was trying to point out that Michael Jordan had a lot of help. And I think he said there were four uh, Hall of Famers. I'm doing this off the top of my uh, head. Uh, there was Tony Kukoc is a Hall of on on the on these Bulls teams. Tony Kukoc is a Hall of Famer. Scotty Pippen's a Hall of Famer. Dennis Rodman's a Hall of Famer. And Scotty said, and one day Horace Grant will probably be a Hall of Famer. And I do believe that one day Horace Grant uh, will be in the Hall of Fame. I certainly think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But he goes, in other words, Michael Jordan didn't do it alone. And when he said that, I thought, you know, isn't it about time that folks gave Jerry Krause the credit he deserved? He put that team together. And I, and Tom, I may have said this to you before, sports writers in this town, uh, in my, they were just bending over backwards to suck up to Michael. And they knew Michael hated uh, Jerry Krause for all kinds of weird reasons. Because he's Michael Jordan and he's got, you know, his grudges. And to placate Michael, they joined him in the hating Jerry Krause uh bit. And I just don't understand it. To, to me, he's the greatest general manager the city of Chicago has ever had in any sport. Your thoughts? Well, I'm very self-conscious finally here in this interview, uh, this thing, Ben, that I've, I've really talked, I go on these riffs, I got to shorten it. <laughs> so I'm going to try to keep it short. I could not possibly agree with you more. And I'm not on this show to agree with Ben Jarofsky. I mean, we knew I've known each other a long time. We don't always agree on everything, but uh, you're absolutely right. The record speaks for itself. I mean, this is not even an opinion thing. Show me another general manager in town with this kind of success. Show me, please. I think the underrated guy was Dallas Green. Okay, the Cubs won a division with him. They won in 1989 with mostly his players. The Jim Fry and Don Zimmer hated it when Dallas Green got any credit, but I'm going to give Dallas Green credit for that game. That uh, team, seven out of the nine position players, I believe, uh, if you count pitching, uh, seven out, pardon me, six out of the eight position players plus their two top starters were all Dallas Green guys. So he was terrific. He really was. Roland Heeman did a really nice job with the White Sox. 
because they didn't have big budgets when he was there. Then when Reinsdorf bought the team with Einhorn, they did have better budgets and they did pretty well. Um, won a division and then uh, had a, a plus 500 year in 85, blah, blah, blah. They contended for a few years, including a division. He did some nice stuff there. I thought uh, Jerry Venisi wasn't a general manager in the conventional sense, but he put the Bears on the right path and they won the Super Bowl. You, you know the name of that tune. Um, but that's still not anywhere near. I thought Stan Bowman did a nice job with the Blackhawks. I mean, they won two cups with retooled rosters because of the salary cap. Of course, he also, he also inherited uh, Kane and Taze and another important player, but he did a really nice job. All those guys combined don't equal what Jerry Krause accomplished. They just don't. Um, it's a travesty. It's a, it's really wrong. I think uh, the media of the time, Rick Tellender was in Phil Jackson's back pocket. Um, they were even talking about writing a book together. Never got done, but you know, you think Rick Tellender is going to take Jerry Krause's side in anything? I doubt it. Um, I, th I think a, a lot of people should be embarrassed about what went on back then, how Jerry Krause got dumped on. He really... It was, it's wrong. And, it, and things said about you know, what he did with the Bulls and how the Bulls were no longer together, that, those are all lies. It's just, not, it's just not true. And it's really sad. It's very, Casey Johnson wrote some good stuff with Krause's unpublished di, uh, autobiography or diary or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there. And um, I think it's very sad. I think you're right on, and I just wish people would appreciate him more. It's a real yeah. shame. And it could have been different. It could have been different. It's all because of Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan. They turned people against Jerry Krause. It was a very, you know, you, you, got, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta be a, a reasonable, honest man. And in that regard, they were not. And it's really sad. And well, I you mean, know, at Krause, one point, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no you go ahead. I, say, I, Krause, I do this all day. Uh, I mean, Krause is no angel. I, you know, in many ways, he was his own worst enemy. Uh, but I'll just, this, this one, and it relates to Pippin and it gets your thoughts on this. I've been thinking about this since the book came out, the way in which Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen, uh, turned on Krause because he was, uh, bringing Tony Kukoc to town and the right. way in which, again, people just trying to placate Michael Jordan join in on that chorus. And I think about that. I think about a general manager today. Today, how much, how heralded he would be if he was so astute as to take a championship team and look over to Europe and draft potentially the greatest player out of you. Just imagine if like the champion, sh champion Golden State Warriors were to start like drawing Luka Dockic, you know what I mean, from... Uh, already coveting him, recruiting him to come join their team, and he joined it. It would be a celebration. What a genius Myers is. What a genius Steve Kerr is. What a, yeah. It was a brilliant move. And yet, because <laughs> Pippen was mad with his contract, who knows what was irritating. Oh, George just can't stand Jerry Krause. Every, like people in this town maligned Kraus for bringing in Kukoc. It's just astounding. Uh, it's top the stupidest share. thing, stupidest thing I've ever heard. He stole Tony Kukoc with a second round pick, yeah. and because of the Bulls' great record, it was the 29th pick that year. 
So he stole Scottie Pippen with what was it, the 61st pick? I forget how many teams there were in the league back then. It's it's insane how little it cost the Bulls, how brilliant it was. It was all about Pippen complaining about getting his money. And Jordan just doing anything to jab Kraus, and he's got to look like he's Scotty's pal. I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, identity politics going on there, okay? The sports version of identity politics. Okay, fine. But, the, again, the guy who could have fixed that was Phil Jackson, and he did nothing. Now, you said that Kraus was his own worst enemy. Um, he was no angel is the way you put it. Yeah. Um, that's true. But it was only on communication. Look, I went a year without talking to Jerry Krause. A year. <laughs> I was so mad at him. He yeah. got mad at me about something. I won't bore you with the detail because it has something to do with Kukoc. He was unfairly angry at me. He was wrong. And I remember talking to Reinsdorf saying, well, you know, Krause is pretty ticked off at me, but I'm pretty ticked at him too. He goes, oh, don't worry about him. He's too dramatic. He, he, he knew Jerry was a difficult guy to deal with sometimes. I went a whole year without talking to the guy. But I was around Kraus for a lot longer. So, okay, we had uh, whatever it was, uh, 18 good years and one bad year. I think Jerry Kraus was a good, good guy and a brilliant general manager. But how he handled things, I'll give you an example. This is a great story, which I don't think anybody's ever told this story. Kukoc is, it was what, two years we waited for him? It was a long time. Finally, they're going to bring him over. And the Bulls are in the playoffs. And this shows the brilliance of Jerry Kraus and how stupid do stupid things Jerry Krause could do sometimes, own worst enemy. He decides he's going to bring Kukoc in for the playoffs to show him what the Bulls look like in the playoffs, get him around, introduce him a little bit. It's a good idea. <laughs> and he decides, and this is where Krause just did some dumb things. He decides he's going to bring him in in secret. He's not going to fly him into Chicago. He's going to fly him into Minneapolis and have Al Vermeil, the strength coach, drive him five hours from Minneapolis. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> so I'm doing my radio show on the score. And you remember the old Midway Airlines? No, they'll no longer exists. Had nothing to do with Midway Airport. It was Midway Airlines. I get a call from a guy who works for Midway Airlines. He says, they're bringing in Kukoc through Minnesota, and he's coming in on this flight on this day at this time said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no. So I call Kraus and I say, Jerry, is Tony Kukoc coming in this weekend? He said, no. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. He lied to me. Okay. And I said, well, Jerry, I think he's coming in and I'm not going to make a circus out of this. Don't worry. That's what I said. I never told him I wasn't going to use the story. I said, I'm not going to make a circus. Because back then, what I would have done was called three sports writers. They'd have photographers there. This and that. And it would all be, you know, at that time, I finished my, my radio show at 11 a.m. So even though I got the tip off the radio, now I'm working for Channel 5. I used to do both jobs. Now I'm Channel 5's Tom Share, And we're going to get all the credit. But I didn't do that. We called our operative up in Minnesota, a guy named Dave Levine, worked at Channel 11 up there. And I said, uh, we, got, we got him to get a crew to uh, meet uh, the plane. And what you get off the plane is Kukoc looks, he's got a deer in the headlights, and you got Al Vermeil basically doing the perp walk, holding his <laughs> hand up to his face. You know? I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So we go on the air and we report 
and this was Mark G. and Greco and Dick, Ver, Vic, Dick Vers, Versace were doing the show. Uh, we put all this on the next day. It was a Sunday. The Bulls were playing a, a road playoff game, and I didn't. I was I was anchoring in the studio that day. G. and Greco was on the road, and they run the video. You know that, that Jerry Krause denied Kukoc is coming, but here's Kukoc, and it's our information that he's here in the building, and. Uh, they ironically never mentioned me, by the way. Gene Greco to this day takes credit for the story, but in <laughs> fact, that's how we got the story. That's a fact. Um, in fact, just in a recent Sun-Times article about Mark's brilliant career, Mark is tremendously talented. He had a great career. Best I've ever seen doing his job as an anchor and an entertainer. Um, but he took, took credit for that story. Um, and Jerry Krause got mad at me for this. And I'm like, what are you mad at me for? You're the one who lied to me. You know, and Phil Jackson, with whom I got along, I've been very critical of Phil here, but when Phil coached here, I got along very well with him. Phil Jackson told his wife, June, his wife at the time, they later divorced, uh, that he thought it was hilarious that I got this story. And that, you know, because he, he knew that it was me because I had called Phil and said, you know, what do you know about this? And he didn't say anything, but he knew that I knew. And June said, Phil thinks it's great that you got this. Oh, this is hilarious. Why didn't Jerry just bring him in on the record? Here's Tony Kukoc. He pulls the secret squirrel stuff. It blows up in his face, and it looks really bad. And that's the kind of thing where they were all wrong to be pissy about the Kukoc thing. Then Jerry does that, and he looks bad to the media and the fans. It was just all a lot of unnecessary drama. Unbelievable. That's a great story, and it just shows – Everything about that story shows how dysfunctional the Bulls were from the. So I really don't know if there was any way to avoid the nasty uh, breakup. Just the notion that you're going to sneak them in, you lie about it, and uh, why you would even sneak them in? You should be proud right. of it. But listen, the, it's it, it's legend now about how nasty Jordan and Pippen were to Kukoc in '92 in the in the Olympics. They brag about it. They talk about it. Like I want to cover him. No, I want to cover him. Like I'm going to shut him down. No, I'm going to shut him down. This is going to be your teammate. This guy could extend your championship run for another five years. You want to humiliate him? I, I. You know what, Tom? They're all a bunch of lunatics. And I, no, I'm I just telling you, yeah. <laughs> they're all lunatics. They, <laughs> they they couldn't they, they they couldn't enjoy it they couldn't enjoy it and and they were so I don't understand Kraus never did anything bad to anybody well when he left he did Pip, when uh, Pippen left he did Pippen a huge favor gave him a big sign and sign and trade deal he didn't have to do that he got him an extra twenty million dollars um, you think Scotty will ever thank him for that no uh, when and here's Jordan pounding Kraus all the time yet in his private papers which Casey Johnson published. Uh, Krauss did give Jordan credit for how he handled his departure contractually, making sure he could have really held the bulls up and held them down to the wire, but he made it clear to them he wasn't coming back. Um, you know, but why there's just too much drama. Phil Jackson did not want to coach here, but he allowed people to think that he got pushed out. That never happened. Kraus made a big mistake. Don't say this is his last year. Yeah, See what happens. Leave it alone. Yeah. He didn't want to sign beyond a year. Because he knew that Jordan and Pippen were questionable. he The Bulls offered, people forget this. It's been reported. Sam Smith reported it back at the time. They offered Jackson a multi-year contract to be part of the rebuilding. He didn't want it. He didn't want to coach a team that couldn't win, win, win. Okay, that's his right. It's his right to not 
stay for the long haul. But don't lie and indicate that you were pushed out by little old Jerry Krause. You're Phil Jackson. He didn't. He, Phil Jackson turned down the New Jersey Nets at that time because they would have been a rebuilding project. Hey, good for him. He's got the right and the opportunity to pick his spots. He picked the Lakers. They win a bunch of titles. God bless him. But don't blame Jerry Krause for decisions you made. Plus, he and June were getting divorced. He spent the whole last season living in short-term housing next to the Bruno Center because he wasn't living at home with his wife anymore. They were estranged. Tex Winter went on the record on the ESPN documentary saying that Phil had personal issues in his, I don't know if he used the word marriage, personal issues. It was time for him to leave town. He, he had to get out of town. It was time for him to go. So all that stuff, yet here's Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan. Oh, Scotty Pippen pushed everybody out of town. Or, or, pardon me, Jerry Krause pushed everybody out of town. That's a lie. It's untrue. All three of them, uh, Jackson, Jordan, and Pippen should be ashamed of themselves. And all of the apologists in the media, Tons of people, the apologists in the media, should be ashamed of themselves for writing about this fiction, this fiction, the breakup of the Bulls. The only guy they made a, who could have played maybe another year who they made a conscious decision not to keep was Pippen because he wanted five years at Big Doe and they knew he wouldn't hold out physically. Take a look at his record. He had about a good year and a half. That's it. They knew Rodman was done. You got to get a power forward. Jordan, uh, he wouldn't come back unless the other guys were there. But what's his name? Uh, Jackson wasn't going to come back unless the other players were there. So it was all a bunch of dominoes. The only domino the bull set in motion was Pippen, and it was the right move. Well, I have to Nobody got this. broken up. That's a lie. Uh, confession time. True confession time. As a Bulls fan, I was so pissed off. At, I blame Reinsdorf, not Kraus. I blame Reinsdorf. I was so mad. Not that he cared. What do you care? He doesn't even know me. He, but I was like telling all my friends, I am through with this team. And Tom, for me to say I'm through with the Bulls, you got to understand, I go back to 1966. I'm through with this team. I'm never going to spend another nickel at their games. I'm not going to watch them on TV. That lasted for maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I forgave him. I made that pledge in 1971 when uh, Wirtz did not re-sign Bobby Hull. I'm through with the Blackhawks. I will never be a Blackhawk fan again, and I have held to it. I've just lost interest in them. It's not even that anymore. But with the Bulls, Tom, I think I lasted for a month, and then I, you know, I, I kind of want to go see a game, and this doesn't really <laughs> count. I came up with it, but I was I was livid at them, and uh, I don't. It's a listen. It was a great run. It was the most fun I've ever had as a fan in Chicago following the Bulls, and so the entertainment continues. And so we'll close with this very briefly. We talked all about the old Bulls. Are you feeling it with this new Bulls team, Tom Shear, or do you think it's an exaggeration, this early start? They're not really this good. Go ahead. I'm feeling it. I really like what they've done. I think John Paxson should get a little more credit than he does. He did brought in some good players and did some good things here, and they won a lot of games a few years back. It's not their fault that Derrick Rose got injured and then didn't care, by the way, for a couple of years. Um I think that they made the right move. They've got the right people in the front office. I love Billy Donovan. I think having Mo Cheeks and these other guys on that staff is terrific. I like the players. I think they're for real. Are they, you know, in their first 11 games, they went eight and three and they almost won. Jeez, they almost won that other one. They almost went nine and two. Um, are they nine and two good? Of course not. But they're very good. They're a lot better. They're going to do some damage in the playoffs. And I'm excited. And you know why, Ben, old buddy? 
Unlike you and I, they're young. <laughs> they're young. They're young, yeah. So, so uh, I like this. I, I really do. I really do. All right. That's as good a spot as ever to leave it. And let's hope they uh, win a championship this year. Anything's possible. Why not, huh? Uh, and I've reached this stage, Tom. I've been at the stage for a while, speaking of which I'm not being young. Just get me through the season and entertain me. Everybody's going, well, it only matters if they win a championship. I'm like, no. I, I've long since subscribed as a fan to that notion. My favorite team of all time is perhaps the 1972 White Sox. They didn't win anything uh, except my heart. So uh, in my Norm Van Leer Bulls never won anything, but they're my favorite right. Bulls teams of all time. So uh, it's exaggerated the uh, significance, in my humble opinion, of a championship. Tom Scher, it was a blast. I knew it would be fun. And Tom was like, well, how much time are we going to have? I'm a very busy guy, Ben. The other thing. No. And he didn't say that really, folks. Uh, and we went over time, as I knew we would. Uh, so, Tom, you take care. Thanks so much for coming on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm trying to decide if I should give my son the link because I really did talk too much. He's been listening to this crap for years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you the link when it drops, and you could uh, sh please share it with your son. Uh, and he, if he wants, the, he's welcome to join for a rebuttal. If he wants to come on and give a rebuttal uh, to the things. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, said. Ben. Good, good right, to that, be with you. All right, very good. That's Tom Share. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Thank you.